Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello, Ed Straw here. What you're about to hear is a special episode of our newly launched IndyCar podcast that we thought listeners to the Race F1 podcast would be interested to hear because it features a very special guest, Romain Grosjean. He tells Jack Benyon and J.R. Hildebrand about his progress in adapting to IndyCar after a very promising start to the season. If you like what you hear, and I'm sure you will, and are a follower of IndyCar, make sure you subscribe to the Race IndyCar podcast. But for now, here's Roman Grosjean. Hello and welcome to episode five of the Races IndyCar podcast. My name is Jack Benyon, American editor at The Race. Uh, last week I promised you we'd have one of the stars of the IndyCar season so far and I have definitely delivered on that promise. Roman Grosjean, thanks very much for joining us on this uh, episode of the IndyCar podcast and yeah, how are you enjoying IndyCar life so far? It's a big, uh, big change for you. Well, I like the introduction of star. <laughs> Not sure I'm a star, but I'm definitely a guy that really enjoys IndyCar, um, <laughs> finding something new, uh, a new challenge. And um, yeah, so far it's been really good, uh, you know, from discovering the, ta- the car to the tracks to the atmosphere in the paddock. Um, very happy about all of that. Awesome. And yeah, we've got JR with us, of course, my trusty co-host with the best hair in America, JR Hildebrand. Thank you for maintaining your presence on this podcast do you reckon you can persuade roman to do the indy 500 by then by the end of this podcast well we'll see i'm not sure by the end of the podcast but hopefully by the <laughs> end of the year and uh yeah i'm i'm excited to to be on here with you so glad to to have you in the states and and a part of the indycar family for the year and uh look forward to whatever comes next for you yeah, Roman, will you, will you be at the 500? Will you get to see JR race? Or are you not sure yet whether you'll be going over? Uh, you know, I'm not a good spectator. <laughs> I don't like yeah, watching because I want to do it. And um, so I will be flying home after the NDGP. Um, and also because my family stays in Europe this year, you know, every time I can go back home, I do. Um, but I will definitely uh, watch on TV uh, from home. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I guess let's kick things off. Um, I really wanted to kind of ask you about your your kind of trip to start before Barber because you have a, a massive RV and you did a little bit of a, a tour of uh, America, didn't you? So how was that? Did that give you a nice kind of introduction to America and did you eat some nice food and, and kind of get acclimatized quite well there? It was it was great. I think uh, <laughs> we flew with my family, the whole family, we flew to uh, to Miami, drove down to Key West and came back up to Miami and picked up the RV. And then we went up the east coast of Florida towards Atlanta. And then uh, and then I drove to Barber. And uh, my kids, they didn't want to go back home. They were so <laughs> happy. And they enjoyed it so much. And, uh, yeah, we went to um, some of, uh, you know, Dale Coyne. Uh, he owns some of the Sonny's Barbecue. So yeah. we went there. Uh, the kids absolutely loved it. And... Um, it was probably the best holiday we ever had. Awesome, awesome. And to kick things off with with actual IndyCar, you know, I wanted to ask you about the qualifying at Barber because there was so much kind of, 
you know, anticipation for you for the start of the season, but also a little bit of uncertainty about what was going to happen and, you know, where you were going to be on the timesheets and all that kind of stuff. Cause you only really got two proper tests in before the season started, didn't you? So, you know, was there kind of like, um, you know, like an emotional release after the qualifying lap at, at Barber, because I know you were so close to making the fast six, but also, you know, to be that close to the fast six in your first kind of qualifying session. And also it was your first kind of competitive session since the crash in, in Bahrain as well. So was there a bit of a release there or did you kind of not let yourself, you know, buy into that? No, I think it was fun. You know, I, I see things quite differently since um, since the crash. I I really, I, I still do racing very professionally, but I also I enjoy myself. And um, obviously, uh, you know, going to Barber, as you say, only two days of testing and uh, it's always hard to read and testing what are the lap times from everyone. So I didn't really know what to expect. And uh, it's the first time really I use reds on the car and the tires. Um, and in free practice too, whenever when I put the reds, the red flag came out. So I didn't really get a lap. So I, I didn't know what to expect. And obviously we did, uh, we did very well. Um, you always want more, that's for sure. But it was, it, was, it was really good to see that we were able to fight at the front, um, even though we're a smaller team and uh, got a chance to compete with the big boys. And I think, uh, yeah, we um, we were happy with that. And I think Barber the whole weekend went really, really well uh, with a few issues in the race. Um, but um, apart from that, I think we were very, very competitive. So that was that was super cool. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, now that you've got a taste of, of Barber, a permanent road course and one of the street circuit, street circuits in St. Pete, it seems like the Indy car suits your, suits your style and vice versa. But I'm curious, you know, in a little bit more depth, from your perspective coming over in those two different environments, you know, whether it be braking, corner entry, brake release, like from a driving style perspective, what are the things that you've had to focus on coming from F1 transitioning to the IndyCar? I think it, um, it wasn't a way to approach the corner. Formula One, you know, you have 1,000 horsepower. So the key is, is to exit the corner uh, and go on throttle as soon as you can. Whereas in IndyCar, I feel like the key is to carry more momentum into the corner and being able to release the brake and not have too much understeer uh, and then eventually go on throttle. Um, I guess you've got a little, a little less horsepower, so it is less key to, to go early on, on throttle. And the tires are a bit different. They can actually quite cope nicely with some braking and some turning. So that was where I had to adapt the most um, compared to Formula One. And, uh, but yeah, I, I really love it. I think that that suits quite nicely my driving style. And uh, one thing also that, that is very different is because we have the refueling, the car is never heavy. You know, the first time I was, the first time I did fuel tank was actually warm up in Barber. And I say, how much, you know, kilos? I, sp- I speak in kilos and liters and stuff like that. Sorry, <laughs> I cannot do inches and gallons and stuff like that. So uh, they say it's about 35 It's okay. Kilos. They don't make any sense. We know yeah. that. And I'm like, 35 kilos, that's super light. That's what you would, that's why you call low fuel in Formula One. And right. um, and then and then when you jump in the car in the race, you just push every single lap um, from lap one to, to the end. And um, that is a big difference. You know, you don't really manage the tires because you only need to do 25 laps um, of a short lap and before you run out of fuel. And uh, I really like, like that that thinking where you just you just go for it. And I guess from you know from a setup perspective, 
you know, we've obviously we've taught we we went back and forth briefly on Twitter just about how these little mechanical changes make a big difference. Um, in terms of the types of things that you're talk discussing with the engineer in F1, there's obviously there's all kinds of development parts and all this kind of stuff weekend to weekend. Um, how has that sort of transition been? Just thinking about you know what you need from the car and how the setup with the engineer you know, feeds into that? Well, the first thing, the first key for me was to understand how to go fast. You know, I remember the first time in Barber, I drove the first proper run, very smooth on the steering wheel, quite nice trace, and finished the lap. I'm like, okay, that looks pretty good. And I come back to the pits and I watched the timesheet and I'm about 2.5 seconds slower than the fastest. I'm like, okay. And then uh, my engineer says, you know, I don't think that's what you need here. You know, you can actually push on the tires, understeers is not fast. And then he was trying to set up the car in a way that it was going to go fast over a lap time. It was probably less comfortable to drive uh, just because you fight it a little bit more. But then the lap time really goes uh, and comes. And, um, you know, in IndyCar, in Formula One, it's all about the aerodynamics. When you have an understeery baseline, you can play with the roll bars and stuff like that. But you are quite stuck. Whilst in IndyCar, between the roll centers, um, the weight distribution, uh, the bars, you can you can actually make the car to your liking, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. And uh, I guess just transitioning, kind of to your physical adaptation here. We know you're you know in top shape, super fit, coming from Formula One. Formula One demands that, but IndyCar sort of requires it in its own way. Um, and so I'm, yeah, I'm just curious now that you've had a taste of it in some different, different dynamics, what maybe more specifically, you know, we know that an IndyCar doesn't have power steering. Um, but what are the things that have stood out to you just from a physical standpoint, um, you know, getting used to driving the IndyCar? Well, I'll tell you one thing, the last 30 laps in St. Peter, I was hoping they would never exist. Uh, I was <laughs> absolutely cooked in the car. And I don't think I was the only one, which made me uh, feel better at the end of the race. But um, physically, the, the steering wheel is, is super heavy um, in IndyCar. Um, there are less G-forces, so you know your, um, your core stuff and your neck uh, gets a much easier time. But, um, but turning the, the steering wheel and, and the kickbacks and so on um, and the grip strengths that you need to have makes your heart rate go really high in the race. And the aero screen, I believe, is, is a great invention. Um, it's, it is a very good safety measure, but also it blocks the air coming into the car. So you actually end up sitting in a sauna and, uh, and driving something that is super physical. So um, I, must, um, I have changed a lot my, uh, my training uh, regime, uh, going from less cardio and neck work to much more strengths and and you know shoulder and biceps triceps um work um which uh which is fun uh, which is different and it, it feels good to do something different after 10 years of doing kind of the same thing i guess um i'm, I'm just quite interested to get into the the kind of standard that you've you've, you've kind of seen over the first two races because we, could, we hear so much in indycar about the level of competition and how close it is and how good the drivers are. But you've obviously come in from, from Formula One, which is obviously totally different, but just kind of wondering how you've initially kind of analysed the opposition and, and how highly you kind of rate that, that competition that you're up against this year, really. Well, you know, it's been two races, but I, I can tell you that those guys are super fast. Um, 
And first time you watch IndyCar from Europe, you ask yourself, why did they put four digits after the, the you know, the points? One minute six and then one, two, five, six. You know, like, why do they need to go to thousands? <laughs> Actually, you need to. Uh, it's so tight that uh, sometimes you look at the timesheet and say, oh, if I gain 2,000, I'll get two positions, you know. And um, it's quite crazy. And um, and the guys are super fast. It's um, it's not easy to make a difference in lap time. Uh, to to be two tenths faster than the whole field, it's it's very rare. Um, and uh, and I really like it because when you go in qualifying, it's up to you to um, to make the most of it and to make sure that you haven't you know you haven't chicken out on a corner and left a, a tenth and a half just because you didn't want to take the risk. You need to go to go full on, and and that's that's super cool. I guess jumping into or thinking about the future a little bit, you know, do you have any thoughts on that at this point in terms of, you know, what you've obviously you're committed to this for this year without doing the ovals? We'd love to see you on an oval at some point, but um you know, as you're as you're uh, did you come I guess I'm I'm wondering if you came into this just thinking, you know, very open-minded to see what this is all about and you'll figure it out as you go along or have you started to develop any kind of thought in terms of what you'd like to do from here? Well, I came this year really, you know, uh, open-minded um, to do something where I was going to have fun and I was going to enjoy myself. You know, Formula One has been an incredible chapter of my life. But if I'm being honest, the last two years, they were quite heavy and not not so fun, uh, even though I was working with incredible people uh, and I still have really good contact with my engineers and, and some of the mechanics and, and some of the, the boys in the team. But uh, when you go to a race and you know that you have the slowest car, it's a bit hard to, to leave. And um, so I, I yeah, decided to come in the car um, because on the paper, it looked like a championship that I would, re- would really enjoy. But also I knew it was going to be tough family-wise, you know, because my family, my kids are at school. So, uh, you know, it's not like I'm 25 years old, I pack a bag and I say, ah, I'm going to go and live on the other side of the the ocean. Uh, I need to, you know, I need to make plans. And if I move over, I need to get kids, uh, school for the kids and so on. So before moving everyone, I I decided I was going to come for a year. Uh, If you ask me right now what I think, I think that I'm going to stay. but, um, you know, uh, let's see. But definitely, I'm happier um, that I've, I've been for a very long time. That's very cool. No, and, and it's great to hear. As a final thought, um, you know, just on your experience so far, you know, there's been a lot of talk recently about Colton Herta and Pato Award deserving opportunities to, to sort of sample F1 and see what that's all about. Obviously, Award picking up the win this weekend is, has guaranteed himself a test with Zach Brown and, and the McLaren guys. You know, what's your perspective on that? If you were to to think about the trajectory that these guys are on, being here in IndyCar now, um, the opportunity potentially to go to F1 and and you know try their hand there, um, you know, are they are they good enough for that? Are they prepared for that? Um, and do you think it's the right the right call for them to think about it that way? I it is it is a very difficult question, and I don't have a straight answer. Those guys are super talented. They're super fast, but it is it is within the same sport, two very very different world. And I can really easily understand why some guys that have grown up in the US, racing in the US in a very competitive series, getting to Europe don't feel comfortable. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the driving style is is very different, and I think from that super engaged. Um, 
pushing driving style you can do on the Firestone and in IndyCar to going into a very more smooth and, and different driving style that you need to adapt in Europe with, with the current tire supplier. I think it makes it quite quite hard. And, you know, those guys those guys do deserve to to try it, but um, it's not guaranteed that they because they're fast in IndyCar, they could be fast back in Europe. And and the same way it goes around, you know, some guys that could be fast in Europe may struggle in IndyCar because the tracks are bumpy, the cars are violent, you know, you need to accept that the car is going to move a lot um, and, uh, and that it's not going to be all perfect. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm super happy for Bato. I think he deserves a seat. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a great experience and I can't wait to share with him. But also, he may be, uh, you know, he may he may see the world and think, you know, that's that's not what I really want to do, just because it's too, yeah, complicated. No, it's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's kind of interesting. We spoke to, well, I spoke to Olivier Poissonnier, engineer, on Wednesday to to kind of hear a little bit more about how the team have been getting on over the first two races, and and obviously a little bit about you as well. And he was saying how important the simulator has been, and and obviously that's you know, a big effort Honda have made to kind of move things around and get you into the simulator as, as much as you've been able to. But Olivier was saying, basically your testing pre-season was a lot about kind of adapted to the car rather than actual performance. And then you were able to get in the sim and find, you know, some of that extra performance before you got to Barber. So is that something you've you've kind of been, you know, really grateful for and something that's really helped with your adaptation is that time in the sim to, to get up to speed? Because obviously there's so little testing in IndyCar at the moment. Yeah, I think that the sim nowadays is is a key part of the the development and the set of work. And I must admit that a Honda simulator, it, you know, it, it, it's quite small compared to some of the simulator in Formula One, but it actually works very well. And um, the setup we ended up using in Barber on race day was the one hundred percent the one we created on the simulator, which uh, which was impressive. Um, you know, to jump back on testing, I really wanted to try as many parts as we could and as many options as we could. Uh, we didn't really focus on getting the most of the car, but we really tried everything to have a good idea of what to change when we get to races and we have an issue. I still think we we can, you know, put things in place and try to, you know, get better, understand, understand better and, and make sure that we perform better with the team. As I mentioned, you know, there's Olivier and and a um, few few others engineers, but um, it is it is a small team, uh, but with a lot of uh, lot of um, experience from Olivier. So um, together, I think we we we're making a nice duo, and I bring what I know from Formula One and some of the procedures and some of the stuff we've done, and he can put it in place with the tools that we have in IndyCar and his his knowledge about it. He he also praised your kind of you know, interpretation of data as well, because I guess, you know, like you said about simulation is obviously such a big part of modern motorsport, whichever championship you go to, obviously so is data, but there's different processes and different systems being used from from what you used in Formula One. So I guess that was another hurdle that you had to overcome, but he said that's something you've been able to kind of get on with really quickly and, you know, you know, really uh, find your feet with very quickly on that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's key to, to help as much as I can. Um, you know, I'm a rookie, but I've got a lot of experience and uh, I can help. I can help develop in that way. Um, so I'll probably do do a little bit more than I should as a driver, but I don't mind it, and I think that can make us more successful. So 
that's what we do and that's what we yeah that's what we try i can't get off uh, simulation and uh, and data without asking you about esports because obviously your your team has just gone like supersonic like through the roof over the past couple of years hasn't it and you know you've got some of the best sim racers on the planet now racing for your team so I guess, you know, not many drivers of, of your kind of stature have really, you know, set up teams to that level, you know, to compete at the proper elite level of esports. So, you know, what made you do that? And, you know, do you think, you know, obviously that kind of thing is going to be a big part of the future for drivers to to have their own esports teams and, and find a way in that way? Yeah, I mean, esport is, is definitely growing and I always kept an eye on it. And obviously the lockdown accelerated things. I was lucky to meet the right people to build the team. And, uh, and we did it. And, and as I say, we, we've been super successful. Uh, it's a great experience for me as well. As well. I, I really enjoy spending time with, with the drivers and going on track and, 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 you know, trying to push myself to the limit. They're still much faster than I am, which uh, annoys me slightly. <laughs> but also, you know, we were talking about simulator. And a couple of years ago, I was really struggling in simulator. I was doing 20 minutes and then I needed a break. I know I got into eSport a little bit more and I play home and I can actually go on the simulator for a long time. And my cognitive charge has been able to cope much more with it than it was before. So I guess in that aspect, it's been quite positive. And uh, you can tell the young generation of drivers, they can spend hours in the simulator and they don't have an issue just because, you know, they uh, they grew up with it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great, great adventure. Uh, those guys, I mean, you know, Jack Villeneuve has got a, a, a racing series, a steering wheel you can win, and uh, it's called Feed Racing. And uh, the final this year, which is held at the end, end of the month, we've got out of the six drivers, there's three RAG Esports driver qualified. Uh, there were one second, first, second, and fourth in the qualification to the semi-final. So it's really cool to see. And, uh, you know, if I can find the next talent and give one of those young kids a great opportunity through my contacts uh, and through my esports team, that would be absolutely outstanding. So a bit different view as well to manage your own team instead of being the driver being managed all the time. It's nice to nice to make the rules and do things yourself. Yeah, gets me busy. <laughs> I guess, um, you know, earlier um, or recently it was announced that you'd be doing the Mercedes test that was kind of spoke about in you know, at the start of the year. So we can't really let you go without asking you about that. And I guess, you know, it's F1 is known as such a cutthroat industry and it's, there's so much money involved and it's, you know, it's a proper business. You know, it's uh, a difficult cutthroat place to be, but, you know, as, as Mercedes kind of offering you this test, you know, giving you a little bit of uh, a faith in the future of F1 and, and what it can do, because it's just such a, you know, a nice opportunity that they've offered you without, you know, really you know, there's not a whole lot of benefit for, for, for Mercedes other than, you know, having the star Roman Grosjean behind the wheel. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a classy, very classy move from Mercedes, you know, uh, from Toto mentioning it um, at the media and then making it happen. Having Mercedes, you know, it, it is an incredible team. Um, I'm, I'm having one of the very rare opportunities you have in your life to drive one of the fastest car ever built in formula one for fun for yourself um with the best ever racing team in formula one and uh, i think mercedes you know they um they get that class image that they say something and they do it and people are, are amazed by it um and i think for all of us it's uh, it's a beautiful story and uh, obviously I can't wait uh, and then I jump on the plate to go to Mid-Ohio so I told my engineer just keep me past in turn one remind me that it's not a Formula 1 car if not I may, I may never make it 
<laughs> well, we've took up plenty of your time, Roman, and we really appreciate it. I've got to ask you before we let you go. Um, you know, the, the the preparation that you're doing now will be for the Indy GP, which is the next weekend. So, how is your kind of preparation for going for that? Are you, you know, have you enjoyed this this gap that you've had where the other guys have been to Texas and you've been able to kind of reflect and look back over what you did in the first two races and and will that kind of help you for for Indy? Do you think? I, I actually didn't like it. It was, <laughs> it was weird seeing everyone racing and not being there and seeing my name dropping in the classification in the standing. You know, it felt strange. Um, That's the hardest part, isn't it? I knew it was going to happen. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I was I was happy to see that, uh, you know, Scott, Scott uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, McLaughlin, um, is, to me, is very surprising this year uh, in, a, in a superb way and his first overall race finishing second you know that's quite impressive uh, and obviously keeping a, keeping an eye on the guys and, and seeing everyone walk safely out of the crash in, in the second race was, was good um, but yeah I'm ready to go back to the US uh, fly Monday uh, and then gives me a couple of days to um, to get ready for uh, for Indy GP and uh, Spend some time in Indianapolis and um, yeah, just find get back in my RV and uh, you know get my single father life uh, there uh, for for a week and then head back to Europe. Uh, it's fantastic, Roman. It's uh, it's been it's been so great to to just see your adventure coming over and uh, to be able to chat with you here about it. We look forward, hopefully, to to chatting with you again later in the season. We'll definitely be hitting you back up to uh, to kind of hear about the the remainder of your adventure. Um, We've got his email now. He can't escape us. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly right. <laughs> true. That's Very exactly true. right. Well, that completes our fifth episode of the Races IndyCar podcast. Uh, please do like, subscribe, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. We'll see you next week for a full wrap-up of the Indianapolis Road Course Race, uh, where Roman will be joined by Juan Pablo Montoya and Elio Castro-Neves, um, some legends of the IndyCar paddock. Uh, making their IndyCar debuts this year. So we'll see you then. Thanks so much for enjoying us, enjoying with us, everyone.